News Network. Fake news, circular logic, disinformation, outright lies. What do you do when the truth goes underground? Well, here, let me get that door for you. Welcome to TNN, the Truth News Network. And your host is Dan Newman. Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome. You made it to Friday. OMG. Friday, Halloween weekend. What are you going to do? Are you going out? Are you going to a party? Are you going trick-or-treating with the kids or grandkids? It's always a fun thing. And regardless of what your thoughts are on Halloween, and we all know what it represents, where it came from, it is not a, um, a really positive holiday. And I think what happened many years ago, parents, I mean, think about it. Parents just were looking for ways to keep their kids excited and give them fun things to do. And they came up with the idea, well, you know, All Hallows Eve, which represents a celebration to Satan and witches and the real things, the real bad things. Why don't we turn that into something positive for our kids? I'm going to believe that's what it was all about. And I'm going to stop right there. Folks, there are people in this world that will turn anything and everything into something evil. It doesn't matter what you think about it. They're going to find a way to subvert it. So why don't we just move forward and work on things that uh, we see in our lives, issues we face every day, and just make them all positive? Can we do that? I know, looking around at the landscape of the nation and the world, it's really tough to turn a lot of what we're dealing with into positives. And maybe we can't, but at least we can try. I am looking forward to sharing this day with you because we've got so many things to look into. And folks, for the first time in a long time, it looks like we're going to be able to get our arms wrapped around some real truths without having to dig as hard and as deep as we normally have to. Why is that? Why can we do that? (laughs) Because it's everywhere. (laughs) It's front and center everywhere. The evil the craziness, the insanity, the top-down governing ideas and ideals that are being propagated and promoted by this administration and all within it are right right out in front of us. We don't have to dig very deep any longer. I mean, it's right there. So what are we going to talk about this morning? We've got to address this reconciliation bill. Uh, If you call it a budget reconciliation, I can't tell you the evil that is contained within this bill over the next few days. And believe me, they're not going to get it passed. If they are going to get any version of it passed, it's not going to happen before they leave town next week. I promise you, there's no way they're going to find any consensus to get any of it done. It's the biggest spending bill, the biggest tax increase bill in U.S. history, folks. And they just got yesterday. Think about it. They just got yesterday 2,000 pages. That's what this bill amounts to. With all of the noise and hoo-ha that's been out there for weeks and weeks and weeks about it, they didn't put anything in front of people to look at. How can any member of Congress even remotely think it's feasible for their constituents, whether they're in the U.S. Senate or in the House of Representatives, 
to try to push something through and make a determination, yay or nay, in such a short time without even having days and even weeks, which would really be the smart thing to do to tear this thing apart and find out exactly what's in this bill. All that being said, folks, we are talking about Washington, D.C. We are talking about the Potomac Valley. We are talking about the seat of government in the number one nation on the planet, at least we were when this president took office. Anything can happen. Let's get started with this. Early this morning, Maria Bartiromo on Fox Business, she, uh, she welcomed a guest in. And uh, this guest is a member of Congress. And I want you to listen to this because in this, they do a synopsis, kind of a landscape of all the stuff going on, the really important things. And I thought we could start the show here and you could get an idea, a synopsis of exactly what's happening today. Here's Maria. Well, welcome back. Progressive Democrats showing their power over the Democrat Party. Despite President Biden's plea to vote for his scaled back social spending package yesterday, the progressives are not ready to play ball. Watch. We do need the text and we do need the vote on both bills in the House at the same time. And we need a little bit more than, uh, than an IOU. If a, a vote on the bill is held today, mm-hmm. I'm a no. I felt a little bamboozled because this was not this was not what I thought was coming today. So all of this threw out plans for a vote on infrastructure. Biden's new spending framework includes $555 billion for climate investments. It includes free preschool and a one-year extension of the child tax credit. But it leaves out the progressive-backed paid family leave. Now, the president just arrived at the Vatican, Vatican in Rome this morning. He'll face world leaders with no deal on his spending package or his infrastructure package. Joining me right now is New York Congresswoman Claude. She's a member of the Foreign Affairs and Small Business Committees. And, Congressman, it's always a pleasure to see you. What's the impact here? I mean, clearly yesterday there was all this smoke and mirrors. The president uh, going to a podium and saying everybody didn't get what they wanted as if there was a a deal. They're talking about a framework as if there was an agreement. There was no agreement yesterday. Well, absolutely. He's doing damage control. They're sending uh, not only sending mixed messages, they're sending mixed mass messages. Uh, The clip you showed, some people have mass, some don't. You know, it's just uh, the same kind of uh, messaging we're getting from the Democrats. But I'm grateful that this deal did not pass because even the scaled down version of the reconciliation package is very dangerous. And the infrastructure package, which I cannot understand how any Republican is supporting this package. It is a disaster. It is about implementing the Green New Deal, putting the framework in place for the Green New Deal. And it's just a matter of inserting the money later. Uh, And I'm really concerned about that. And when you showed up there on the screen, it said paid family leave. We have paid family leave in New York. What they want to do is completely turn this over into a federal program. So federalizing everything. And there's a little bit, it says, great, there's some broadband in there. That's something we can support in our area. After the pandemic, we knew we needed it for telehealth, uh, you know, for people, children getting to school, uh, for connectivity for our rural areas. But guess what? Pete Buttigieg, uh, Secretary of Transportation, he gets to make all the decisions about where our rural broadband goes. And that's all going to be politically charged from a partisan who's supposed to be in Washington. I guess he's there virtually. I'm not really sure if he's back. But this is the problem. It's all right. federalization of our of our communities and our state. And we have no power left. It's 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 the central theme 
you know, it's centralized steam, but we just because they've scaled down the money and there's nothing for the wall and the interest in maintaining our infrastructure and what's happening at the border, which is probably one of the top issues that gets raised with me in my area. We are still a border state. People forget New York has a northern yeah. border. Well, that's right. And you're seeing, you know, migrants come into Houston. They get to the border. They, they get a getaway car to Houston and then they go everywhere, including New York, Miami. But I'm glad you brought up the immigration part of this, because now the administration is considering paying illegal immigrant families separated at the southern border four hundred and fifty thousand dollars per person. I mean, this is mind boggling. They're using our taxpayer dollars to actually pay illegals a billion dollars per couple. Uh, I mean, what? Yeah. why pay a bill? Imagine, oh, go break the law, you know, go to the border, breach the border, jump the line. You just committed a crime and we'll give you a billion dollars, you and your husband. Yeah. Think about this. Like, I oppose reparations because it's impossible to determine who's going to get the money, how much they're owed and what we're going to happen. And we already have a form of reparations with our Native American tribes. They're re reaching off, getting all kinds of money. But we can identify you know, the people who were aggrieved or the different tribes. But how are you going to decide who gets money, who was aggrieved, and they're non-citizens? And their first act into coming across the border was to come across illegally and break our laws. What about the, and I think there are millions of people waiting in line to get into our country legally. What about those people? What kind of message are we sending? Right. And again, no respect for the U.S. taxpayer. Who's going to pay for this? This infrastructure bill even scaled down is still almost as I think it's still larger than Roosevelt's New Deal, which was enormous. And then I'm just not fooled by this. We've never had infrastructure and we don't need infrastructure. Yeah. If you look back in appropriations over the years, there is infrastructure for various things in just about every appropriations bill we do. We build uh, bases. We build uh, we do water and, and, and road projects. We've been doing infrastructure for years, just not on a massive scale. And then with the language that is put in here to move all of our control to the federal government and to partisans in Washington away from our local governments and our states. That's the most yeah. dangerous thing about this bill is it's once you put it in place, you're well, not going to be able to end it. You know, Congressman, it's really hard to think that they truly care about taxpayer money. I mean, they don't care about our money because it's evidenced by the fact that, number one, they've left hundreds of millions of dollars on the ground and canceled all the remaining border contracts, even though the border construction contracts were paid for. So that's that's wasted money. Uh, $86 billion of wasted money, leaving $86 billion on the floor in Afghanistan. Um, and, and uh, of course, the, the tax increases... And, and how about those flights, right? Dropping illegals off from private jets into private airports in your in your state, New York and Westchester. Taxpayers are paying for that. So it's very hard to believe mm. that they care about our money with all of this. Very quickly, we got to jump. Congresswoman, do you think mm. the chances that nothing gets done just rose? I think that is going to have I, I think we're going to do we did a continuing resolution yesterday on transportation. I think you're going to see us do that again. And I, I it just I hope that we can actually have a deal. I just don't think there is anything that I can possibly vote for based on the mechanics and the structure of this bill. Yeah. We'll see what happens. I hope Republicans stick together. This is not a good bill, even for moderates, not even moderate Democrats. Uh, we're all waiting on uh, Senator Sinema and Senator Manchin. Let's hope that they hold the line, yeah. because right now uh, these mm. people have. They're the tail wagging the dog. The progressives, you know, Speaker Jayapal was uh, yeah, speaking from her pul pulpit yesterday.
11% infrastructure. They're calling it an infrastructure. Congressman, it's good to see you. Claudia Tenney joining us this morning. Great. Nice to get a wrap up there. Kind of a, um, a, a quick look at all of the stuff that is out there. There are so many egregious things out there under consideration, things being done. It's just hard to keep up with it all. And when you have somebody like Bartiromo, I got to be honest with you. Maria's been around for a long, long time. She um, She's a New Yorker. She grew up in a restaurant family in Manhattan. And obviously, she's very Italian, but she's connected. And she has a perspective that a lot of us don't have access to. It's kind of neat to turn to somebody like that to get information that you know is going to be spot on, accurate, and not just a bunch of political fodder. Quickly, just want to tell you this, looking at the economic numbers Didn't hear much about this yesterday afternoon. The U.S. economic growth report came out and our growth slowed down significantly in the third quarter of this year to the lowest level since we began recovering from the COVID-19 pandemic. And they're calling the 2020 pandemic, they're calling it a pandemic-triggered recession now, last year. So data from the Commerce Department's Bureau of Economic Analysis that was released yesterday shows the nation's GDP, gross domestic product. It did grow, but it grew at an annual rate of just 2% in the July through September quarter. That's the weakest growth since the third quarter of last year. The third quarter, this year's expansion declined sharply from a robust growth rate of 6.7% in the second quarter and 6.3% in the first quarter. The modest growth fell short of the estimates, 2.8%. A guy named Chris Zaccarelli, who's the chief investment officer for Independent Advisor Alliance, called the report very disappointing, but said investors should keep it in perspective. There's something in all of this financial and economic information that is just lost on the American public. We hear Jen Psaki every time she gets to the podium at the White House for a press briefing, and you hear President Biden every time he gets in front of a television camera and a microphone when he can remember to say this. He touts the fact that his administration has created more new jobs than any other administration in United States history. That's not true, folks. That's not true. Now, yes, there are a lot of jobs that have been put in place, people put in those positions during his administration, but they're not new jobs. They're jobs that were vacated because of the pandemic-inspired and demanding lockdowns last year where companies just shut down operations across the nation, and that put millions of people on the street. Those people, those jobs just restarted. And Biden and Jen Psaki are screaming at the top of their lungs, look what we did, look what we did. All the new jobs. None of that's true. And folks, inflation is sneaking in. And we're in deep, deep trouble. I don't think anybody yet realizes exactly what we are about to face. I remember... Back at the end of the 70s, 1976, 77, 78, 79, I remember our economy then looks exactly like this economy now. 
where prices just began to, across the board, slip higher and higher and higher. And money becomes worth less and less and less. Interest rates begin to climb. Mortgage rates in the late 70s grew to 16%. Can you imagine trying to buy a home today and going to your mortgage company and you've been a great customer for years and years and years and you've been getting those one point something percent interest mortgage rates and all of a sudden when you go apply for this loan, no matter what kind of customer you were, you're going to pay 10 11 maybe even 12%. We're headed that way. And just like it happened in the 70s, folks, this one's going to happen quickly. Our nation, economically, and a lot of other ways as well, we're in trouble. We have a void of leadership in the White House. We have a void of leadership, a bigger void, in the United States Congress. And guess who controls all three of those things? The U.S. Senate, the House of Representatives, and of course the White House. Democrats. And so what are they trying to do? They're trying to sell the American people on two of the biggest legislative boondoggles in country's history. Not one of, not two of, but the biggest boondoggles ever. And they're couching it in this method. They are telling us all, we are going to build this nation back and do it better. And what did that famous orator back in um, 2012 call this thing? You can put lipstick on a pig, but it's still a pig. (laughs) And that's what Joe Biden is trying to do. That's what Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer are trying to do in the U.S. Congress. It is what it is, and you can't change the name. You can't talk nice about it and expect it to be anything other than what it is. And what we're living in today is a pending, is an imminent economic disaster for the United States of America. So what else do we have to talk about today? Well, now I'm going to tell you a few things that you may not be privy to just because the mainstream media have refused to cover it. When I say mainstream, I'm even talking about outlets like Fox News. They don't want to talk about November 3rd's election problems last year. There were no problems. And if there were, they're just going to stick their heads in the sand and just blow right by it. And even if somebody mentioned it, you know, you can't talk about it. It's the big lie. Well, every day now, every day now as we inch closer and closer to our midterm elections next November, we're finding out there was a ton of irregularity at best and illegality at worst. Example, cognitively impaired nursing home residents in Wisconsin and in Michigan, they were exploited for votes. There was, there definitely was election mismanagement in Atlanta, unlawful election instructions in Wisconsin, and 50,000 questionable and unconfirmable for accuracy ballots in Arizona, plus a whole bunch of criminal cases for illegal ballot harvesting and even inmate voting. Eleven months now after Trump was kicked out of office, 
The narrative that the 2020 election was clean and secure, it looks like a frayed shoelace. You know, when it gets to the point where you can't stick the end of the shoelace through the little hole to lace up your shoes, that's what our election is looking like, at least the one last November. The challenges of the COVID pandemic, the aggressive new tactics of voting activists, the desire of Democrats to make the collection and delivery of ballots by third parties legal in states where harvesting is expressly forbidden, what all that's done is muddied the establishment portrait and awakened the nation to the painful reality. Its election system, particularly in big urban areas, is anything but perfect, far from perfection. Nowhere has that story become more clear than the battleground state of Wisconsin, of all places. And it's back in the news. After a local sheriff yesterday dramatically held a nationally televised news conference, in that news conference, the sheriff alleged that he had found evidence of felony crimes involving ballots sent to nursing home residents. Racine Wisconsin County Sheriff Christopher Smalling said investigators have secured evidence that eight out of 42 residents at one local nursing home had been recorded as casting absentee ballots that their family said was not possible because the residents didn't even have the cognitive ability to think and talk, yet alone to vote. That investigation was prompted by one family who discovered their loved one had voted in the November 2020 election, despite having died a month earlier after a long period of mental decline. Schmaling dramatically accused the Wisconsin Elections Commission, the state's election bureaucracy, of creating the conditions for voting by mailing absentee ballots to nursing home residents who didn't request them and empowering nursing home staff to fill out ballots, doing it on behalf of residents. The election statute was in fact not just broken, but shattered. That's what the sheriff said. The nursing home scheme alleged, allegedly led by um, Schmalling, he said, was also found in neighboring Michigan, where Democrat Attorney General Dana Nessel earlier this month announced three women have been charged with voting fraud, including one who fraudulently filled out ballots in the names of some nursing home residents without their permission or even knowing about it. But the nursing home case is a long way from the only concern that has rocked Wisconsin, where Joe Biden was certified, if you'll remember, as the winner over Trump with a razor-thin margin of just under 20,000 votes. The nonpartisan Legislative Audit Bureau released a sweeping report last month. You didn't hear about it, did you? None of us did. Why not? It's all part of the big lie that we don't talk about in news today. Well, that report accused election officials of engaging in inconsistent administration of election laws, troublesome management of new drop boxes used to collect ballots during the COVID pandemic, ineffective investigation of fraud complaints, and a host of other problems. It didn't offer evidence of systemic fraud, but it flagged more than 30 problems, as well as many more issues that lawmakers should resolve 
for future elections. That report prompted the GOP leader of the Wisconsin Senate to launch an investigation into the November election, augmenting a separate probe that was already authorized by the Wisconsin Assembly that is being led by former state Supreme Court Justice Michael Gableman. And those things follow, folks, a ruling by the Wisconsin Supreme Court that concluded state election officials wrongly allowed tens of thousands of Wisconsin voters to skip voter ID requirements. And they filed absentee ballots by simply declaring their concerns about COVID that made them indefinitely confined. That was the term that was used in thousands of cases. Those exact words. I wonder why. I wonder where those words came from and those people were told to include those words as the reason they needed an absentee ballot, indefinitely confined. So while the court ruled the advice was illegal, it noted there was no penalty and said it was up to voters to decide if they had an infirmity or disability that made them confined. Lawmakers are now looking to change the weaknesses in that law. Senator Ron Johnson, we know and see a lot about him. He's a Republican in Wisconsin. He's the former chairman of the Senate Homeland Security Committee, which oversees elections, by the way. He said that the dizzying revelations coming from his own state are a clear sign that lawmakers have far more work ahead of them to fix the election administration and ensure voters are treated more evenly. Following that report, what Sheriff Schmalling has uncovered plus disclosed might only be the tip of the iceberg of fraud in that election, Johnson tweeted yesterday. The legislature must be given the time, the resources, and cooperation of election officials to conduct a complete investigation of allegations. So what about that state of Georgia? We mentioned that at the top. You know, where Trump lost by another slim margin. Well, you hadn't heard about this one either, have you? They found evidence that its major urban voting center of Fulton County, that's Atlanta, had significant problems administering the November election, so much so that state officials have started the process of taking the county's election management into receivership. What does that mean? Same thing as bankruptcy, folks. Removing local control for the upcoming 2022 election and beyond. Folks, these just aren't little bitty things that are cropping up. The Democrats say all the time, oh, there's always going to be a little bit of voter fraud. Let me ask you this. We're not, there's more. There's a lot more over in DeKalb County in Georgia. But I'm not going to get in the weeds any further. We're going to move on with the story. But folks, you need to understand this. There, there was way more than normal and definitely more than acceptable voter fraud and voter irregularity in November 2020 way more than is acceptable to most Americans. But here's the big question we all need to ask and answer for ourselves. How much voter fraud, how much voting irregularity are you okay with? How much is acceptable? And Americans need to understand, no matter which side of the fence you vote on, whether it's left, whether it's right, or whether you're in the middle, 
you're a real independent and you just vote issue-based votes when you cast your votes, based totally on issues, not based on party affiliation. Doesn't matter where you fall in. You got to decide how much are you willing to accept. And for most Americans, it comes down to this. You want your vote to count. You're committed so much so that you're going to vote. Why are you going to vote? Because not just because it's what a citizen needs to do, but because you want to make a difference. You want to help choose those who are going to govern us and lord over so much all these things that we're dealing with right now today. We have a group of politicians in D.C. that literally have their hands on $5 trillion of our dollars that they want to spend. And a huge majority of what they want to spend it on makes no sense to most Americans. And a huge portion of this nation don't want that money spent. They don't think we should spend anything close to that because we are way, way, way up past our eyeballs in debt. And we don't say anyway that it's possible we're ever going to pay those debts off, which means the responsibility falls on our kids, our grandkids, our great-grandchildren, and their children and great-grandchildren. It goes that deep, folks. We're $30 trillion in debt. And don't believe the nutty talking point that we are hearing coming from Democrats from top to bottom, that this new massive spending bill, they call it budget reconciliation. It is nothing but a boondoggle. They actually have the unmitigated gall from the president on down to tell us it's not going to cost taxpayers a dime. That's horse hockey. What do you think? Joe's going to pull it out of his booty. Every dime this government and any government at the federal level ever spends and ever has spent. It comes out of the pockets of Americans. And don't ever be sucked in to believe the lie that, oh, we're going to tax the filthy rich Americans that need to pay their fair share and these corporations that don't pay a dime in federal taxes. Those are both lies. Corporations almost in large, never write tax checks. Did you get that? Never write the, t- the tax checks. But they pay billions of dollars in taxes. And then if it comes time for them where they project at the end of this fiscal year, whatever year that is, that we're going to be stuck with a big tax liability, They're not going to write a check for that. Oh, yeah, but they may write a check and send it to D.C. or wherever their local IRS or regional office is. But guess who ultimately pays the price, actually pays the taxes? People who they provide goods and services to, they just raise the prices. And Democrats either, in large, don't understand this concept and how it happens, or they don't care. And I tend to believe the latter is the truth. I don't think they care. I don't think they give a rip. And then there's Virginia. 
Boy, we know there's a very contentious election coming up next Tuesday for governor. Right now today, a lot of roadside signs for Virginia's Democrat candidate Terry McAuliffe include a special message. And when I when I saw one of these signs, I thought this was kind of strange. The message on the signs say this, vote in free and fair elections beginning September 17th. Vote in free and fair elections beginning on September 17th. Shouldn't free and fair elections go without saying? So why would they even include that on a campaign sign? This is really odd since the Fairfax County Board of Supervisors recently asked Virginia's current governor, that's Ralph Northam, to waive the legally required witness signature for absentee ballots as well as the last four digits of the voter's social security number. By the way, both of those are statutory requirements, and technically the governor can't do that. The legislature crafts laws. Constitution says all voting operations are under the total control of state lawmaking bodies, not individuals. And what's really odd is the County Board of Supervisors made their request a month after voting began. So this looks like an attempt to cover up the left's belief that fair elections are below its pay grade. McAuliffe's operatives can't possibly believe it, especially as they're working to change and ignore the rules in the middle of the game. But they sure want Virginians to believe the electoral changes they enacted for 2021 in Virginia that included expanding mail-in balloting, conditions for ballot harvesting. Now there's no requirement for photo ID. All that somehow adds up to free and fair. (laughs) On top of that, the huge ballot drop box in front of Fairfax County is supposed to have 24-7 surveillance. But Director of the Fairfax County Office of Elections, Scott Konopasek, Kona Pasak says the camera feed will never be available to the public. So Molly Hemingway, she uh, published a bestseller. It's out there now. It's really, really good. I recommend it to you. It's it's titled simply Rigged, R-I-G-G-E-D. In it, she shows the 2020 elections added a lot of moving parts to the machinery of election rigging. Hmm. In addition to opening the door for fraud, there are now more ways to disguise irregularities and to render election results 100% unverifiable. This is literally chaos by design. It's been in the works, not just in Virginia, but in other states for years. It reached a tipping point when the triad of big tech Big government and big media used the virus, coronavirus, and their shutdowns to vastly expand mail-in voting, and they did all that while relaxing controls on mail-in voting during the presidential election of 2020. Obviously, their first order of business, stop President Trump from winning re-election. The second order of business 
to entrench these processes for other elections so that a permanent one-party state can cross all 50 state lines. That's what it's all about, folks. Just thought I'd bring all of this to your attention. And if, you, if you're going to talk about it with somebody, you need to understand, you need to take the Joe Biden way of talking to people. You whisper about it. Hey, did you hear what's going on in Virginia and what they found out is going on in Wisconsin and what was happening in 2020? That's the way you have to talk about things like that. Why do we have to do that? Hey, that's the way the President of the United States instructed us to talk about contentious things. Lowe's knows you're a craftsman guy. You have a lot of tools. Tools for everything you've done around the house. But there's the moment you realize your new project means new tools. When tool guys need new tools, they start with Lowe's. The new home of Craftsman. Hello. Hello, sir. I hear you having problems putting together your new kitchen unit. Oh, yeah. Uh, the instructions say that. What now? The instruction manual. It makes absolute... Stop reading that. Well, what would you suggest I use? I suggest you use the fact you're a man. Huh? Guys who got pride never relied on no guide, sucker. I'll give you some step-by-step instructions. <laughs> Buy Snickers, remove wrapper, bite chocolate, and get some nuts. Go to GetSomeNuts.tv for more Snickers man coaching. Long live the courageous, the tenacious, the ones who push forward and give back. Long live the greater good, the helping hand, those who fall and get back up. And long live the truck with the strength to overcome. The will to outwork. And the commitment to outlast them all. Ram. Proven to last. story kind of tickles tickles me and it does because you know the name Cedric Richmond you know who Cedric Richmond is you've heard the name um, he was a longtime member of the US Congress from the New Orleans area from Louisiana African-American guy I uh, I've met Cedric Richmond when I had the football team the New Orleans voodoo down there he was one of those that was trying to get us to build a state-of-the-art practice facility in New Orleans East, which you probably remember was devastated during Katrina. Well, Cedric gave up his seat in the U.S. House of Representatives, and uh, he became, his title is advisor 
to the president. He's a personal advisor. He's in the Oval Office all the time with President Biden. He's the guy, you may remember, that Biden in that Zoom conference, he couldn't remember Cedric's name, and he called Cedric is my boy. Uh, There's no racism in that. The President of the United States calling an African-American from the South his boy. Well, Cedric's position when Cedric left, there was a special election, and he was replaced by another African-American Louisianian, and his name is Troy Carter. And Troy made national news, did uh, Representative Carter yesterday, He argued in a discussion about the impact of inflation on people today, and he clarified the picture of what inflation really is today. Here's what he said. Inflation on people, quote, will be eased when we start to invigorate our economy. And we invigorate our economy by pumping money into it to stimulate it. He disagreed with relevant remarks that said the notion that somehow the Build Back Better or the infrastructure plan will negatively impact inflation because there have been several Nobel Peace Prize economists who vehemently disagree with that. Listen, when people make more money, they spend more money. When you make money, it doesn't just go into a black hole in your backyard. It goes into the stores. It goes into school. It goes into homes and cars and providing better lives for our children. So that money, that's in the economy. So he made those remarks yesterday afternoon, late in the afternoon, on the Neil Cavuto show on Fox News. So Cavuto cut in to ask Carter how he would respond to people who have lost purchasing power even though their wages have gone up. And Carter is a knowledgeable American from New Orleans, an economist obviously. He responded. He said this, I think you tell them that they need to get on the phone. They need to call their members of Congress. I think you tell them to get on the phone and call their senators because we're, and Cavuto cut him off, And he said, will that ease inflation's bite? Carter answered, no. The inflation bite will be eased when we start to invigorate our economy. And we invigorate our economy by pumping money into it to stimulate it. It's not unlike anything that we've done before, except the magnitude of the dollars we're putting in with Build Back Better and infrastructure are life-changing and unprecedented. And most economists, I mean, there will be some that obviously disagree. You and I may disagree, but from my vantage point and the economists that I've looked at and listened to suggest that the money that we're putting in, we're not talking about BS. We're talking about trillions, not billions, trillions of dollars for infrastructure, for housing, for rail, for the environment. These are all things that's going to pay dividends for years and years to come. What he is missing and what is missed by every member in Congress and anybody else in the world that is thinking and looking at this whole picture, you can't invest with money that you borrow from the people you're investing it for. 
This line of thinking, this reasoning, it blows my mind because there's no example. There's no picture on the planet anywhere in history that backs up that thought process. What Troy Carter wants and he explained we should do is exactly what destroys the capitalist free market system in every other country that have ever morphed into thinking about big government giving it supreme power and all the spending opportunities that it wants because government doesn't have a dime of its own money. Our government was not intended, is not, and never will be an operating entity to make money. Therefore, every dollar it spends has to be taken from somebody else. They don't get it from themselves. They don't have it in their back pockets. They don't have it in their checking account. Right now, they're getting about $3 trillion a year from you and me. And they're wanting to spend about $5 trillion a year. And he has the unmitigated gall to say the way we stimulate the economy is we throw money at it. I guess that would be a good idea or a good philosophy if whoever was throwing the money in there was getting the money out of their own pockets rather than from the pockets of Americans. And of course, he understands. I'm sure he does. Everybody understands that the money the government's going to spend, it comes out of the taxpayers' pockets because we're the ones that are going to have to pay it back. We don't have it, and they can't get it, the, the Congress. They can't get it to spend from anywhere. So they have to borrow it. And they borrow it, and you and I have signed the loan repayment agreement. Yeah, that's an insane assumption. But that's the way of the 535 men and women that are serving in the U.S. Congress, 435 on the House side, uh, 100 on the Senate side. Of all of those 535 people, I would be willing to bet that at least 40% of them think exactly like Representative Troy Carter from Greater New Orleans. All you got to do is throw money at it. Throw money at it. Doesn't, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter where you get the money. Create it, borrow it, whatever you do, but put it in circulation. It's not like it's already not already in circulation. If it's out there, folks, people don't just enlarge, sit on cash. People that have a lot of cash, how did they get it? They didn't get it by sitting on it. They put it to work. They invest in companies. They enlarge companies. They buy things. And they're not borrowing money to buy things. It's money they made. And so all of this craziness happening right now, all of it that happened in the previous Biden stint at the top with Barack Obama, all of it, 100% of it, is confiscatory policies. Now, what does that word mean? That means confiscating resources from the American people to give to and spend on other things and other people 
to gain more power to do the same thing, but on an even larger scale than you're doing right now as a government, not as a people. Barack Obama didn't have a clue about operating a business. Joe Biden doesn't have a clue. Neither one of them ever had an employee base for which they had to fund a payroll. They never think about that. I know it's a simple thing to use as an explanation in this regard, but the concept is still the same. One guy calls his wife and says, hey, listen, what the heck are you doing? I got a call from the bank and we're overdrawn by several thousand dollars. How could that be? And she said, I don't know. She said, I I wrote some checks, but I, I still had checks in the checkbook. That meant that there had to be money in the bank, so I wrote checks on it. And I've still got some checks in there. How could we not have any money? That's the mentality, the only one that could be used to try to justify what they're doing now, what they have been doing, and what they want to do in the largest scale in American history. Wow. And it gets even worse. Have you heard what the latest Biden administration what their plan is, you heard Maria talking about it, and she missed her number. But what Joe Biden is contemplating, and the reason we're not told that's what he's planning to do, is this is the way that they float something out there before they make a firm decision to do it or not to do it, no matter what it is. They'll float it out there to see what the reaction is going to be by the American people. They want to, and they have plans to do this. I'll I can guarantee you. What is this? President Biden is considering whether to make payments to immigrants who were separated from their families at the border under Trump's administration. The report, based on some remarks from, quote, people familiar with the matter, in other words, anonymous sources, states that payments of about $450,000 a person in comp... $450,000, that's almost half a million dollars. Do you know how long it takes an average American to make $450,000? 10 years. And Biden wants to cut people that came into the country illegally. That's why they got caught up in the debacle which they found themselves and there was separation in some families because of decisions they made themselves that were illegal and the people that they broke the law in their country is now contemplating paying the illegal folks, the criminals, $450,000 a person for them breaking the law? Now, Maria, she incorrectly stated in that soundbite that you heard it was a billion dollars a couple. It's 900,000 a couple, almost 1 million. But give or take 50 or $100,000, folks, that's insane. Do you think that is going to help our current illegal immigrant problem? Heck no. When this news goes out all across Central and South America, everywhere on, on the planet, hey, If you go illegally to the U.S., go to the southern border, cut a deal with the drug cartels. They'll help you get into the U.S. When you get there, bring some kids. If you don't have any, borrow some, rent them. You can actually rent kids for the trek. 
when you get to Mexico and tell them they're your kids. When you're separated from them, oh, then you can automatically make a claim and get $450,000 and just bring a woman along with you. Tell everybody you're husband and wife. You don't have to provide documentation to prove anything. And bring a kid. That's your kid. Bring a couple of kids. That just makes it look better. And you, the two of you, could get a million dollars from the taxpayers. Unbelievable, folks. Last night, Tucker Carlson discussed an effort to push for those so-called reparations. He cited a report from the Wall Street Journal about what we just told you. The Biden White House has made some crazy proposals, but this is the high watermark of political lunacy, he said. I'm I'm just going to read a little bit of what Tucker said. Quote, it's a bewildering experience working in cable news right now. Fun, but pretty unbelievable. Just about every morning, as we're putting this show together, some story from the Biden folks crosses our screens and we think to ourselves, come on, there's absolutely no way this can be real. Please, it's just too crazy. And of course, pretty much every morning, what we've assumed was a joke turns out to be entirely real. It's actually happening. The Biden demonstration really is that crazy. They really are firing thousands of nurses in the middle of a pandemic, firing thousands of cops in the middle of a crime wave. No, they're not kidding. Even in the slightest, when they tell you that's a genuine female four-star admiral standing right there, Joe Biden isn't giggling. He tells you Rachel Levine's promotion is a victory for women everywhere, and he means it when he says it. He means all of these things, even the ones he doesn't understand, which is most. As the guy who runs the Babylon Bee told us recently, it's getting tough to run a parody site in this country. No matter how creative your jokes may be, it's almost impossible to be more ludicrous than already is. And yet, even by those impossibly high standards, we we can confidently announce tonight we have just read the single most deranged news story ever printed in this country. So, no matter what happens going forward, and God knows what that will be, this story will live forever as the high watermark of political lunacy. Mark your calendars. It's October 28, 2021. This is the day that things couldn't possibly get nuttier. And here it is. And so he just told the story that we just told you about what the Biden White House is going to do, pay criminals for committing crimes. It's almost impossible to believe, but it's real. You'll be surprised to learn, he said, according to the paper, the Wall Street Journal, that nearly a thousand reparations claims have already been filed. Why not? The total payout from all this is more than a billion dollars just for those claims already filed. So how much is that exactly? Let's see. If you're an American citizen who was killed in a war defending your country, our government promises to send your family $100,000. That is less than a quarter of what Joe intends to give illegal aliens for the inconvenience of being deported for committing a crime. They are once again getting $450,000 apiece from your tax receipts. 
That's more than some of the 9-11 victims got. It's more than any ordinary American ever gets for anything from the U.S. government. Most people in this country just give money to the government. Foreigners with no respect for our laws or our systems, meanwhile, are hitting the jackpot. So take three steps back. you got to wonder how long this sort of thing can continue, how long before the people who make this country run, who, by the way, are not the same people who run this country. Those are two very different groups. But before the people who make this country run decide they've had enough and they're not going to take it anymore, why pay your taxes at this point? Seriously. It's too insulting. It's too destructive. It's evil. Now, who knows how long it's going to take to get there. But at this rate, it's coming quickly. In the meantime, what can we know? Well, we can be certain how the rest of the world is going to see this announcement. Why wouldn't you cross our border illegally at this point? You'd have to be insane not to. Joe Biden is literally paying people to do it. So not surprisingly, as Fox's Griff Jenkins just reported, new waves of illegal migrants are coming here as fast as they can. You can't make that up, folks. You can't make that up. So what is Griff Jenkins talking about? What's going on right now? An estimated three to 5,000 mostly Central American and Haitian migrants They're continuing their trek through southern Mexico to get to our southern border. A video that was posted late yesterday shows a portion of the caravan. caravan, It was provided by a source within the Border Patrol, was captured by Mexican authorities who were monitoring that group. The video shows migrants pushing baby strollers, carrying personal belongings, as they fill several lanes of one public highway, a four-lane highway. According to the source, the group is still attempting to push through the southern state of Chiapas. The source says the group has avoided at least one attempt by the National Institute of Migration and other Mexican authorities to deter them from continuing northward. The sources say the group does not currently pose a threat due to the slow pace and the likelihood that the group will eventually be reduced in size through official intervention. Nonetheless, the source says Border Patrol continues to monitor the progress of the caravan. That's just another one little piece of Biden insanity. And we're going to go to break here, but let me just say this, folks. All of this stuff, and we're not through yet, we're going to break down the Build Back Better budget thing that's going on right now. And it is, it's worse than writing a check of $450,000 to every illegal couple that came here, that's coming here and gets separated at the border from their family members. It's even worse than that. Let me just say this, folks. There is no way... Anyone with a brain at all that has any kind of concept of the context of all of this happening in the United States, which all evolves around one person, President Joe Biden, it is impossible that Joe Biden has any input into any of this stuff 
any type of reasoning and calculating requirements in this are way past the cognitive ability of our president. Handlers somewhere are handling Joe Biden, all of this immigration stuff, all of this infrastructure deal stuff, all of this budget reconciliation stuff. It's not Chuck Schumer, majority leader in the Senate. It's not Nancy Pelosi, Speaker of the House. And it's not Joe Biden. None of those people have the ability to put all of this together, and we call it the perfect storm. And it's certainly not God that is putting this perfect storm together. Wow. Got some inside look at the budget reconciliation bill and the infrastructure bill. That's up next at TNN Live. The new Amazon Echo has everyone asking Alexa for help. Alexa, what time is it? What the hell is wrong with this blasted thing? Amanda! But the latest technology isn't always easy to use for people of a certain age. These kids done bought me a busted machine again. Oh, yes, That's why Amazon partnered with AARP to present the new Amazon Echo Silver, the only smart speaker device designed specifically to be used by the greatest generation. It's super loud and responds to any name even remotely close to Alexa, so they can find out the weather. Allegra, what is the weather outside? It is 74 degrees and sunny. Huh? It is 74 degrees and sunny. Where? Outside. What about it? The temperature outside is 74 degrees and sunny. I don't know about that. The latest in sports. Clarissa, how many did old Satchel strike out last night? Satchel Paige died in 1982. How many did he get? Satchel Paige is dead. He what now? Died. Who did? Satchel Paige. Oh. I don't know about that. Even local news and pop culture. Anita. What them boys up to across the street? They are just playing. They what now? They are just playing. You say they just playing now? Yes, they are just playing. I don't know about that. Here are the smart devices like your thermostat. Alessandra, turn the heat up. The room is already 100 degrees. Are you trying to kill me, Alize? The new Amazon Echo Silver plays all the music they loved when they were young. Angela, play black jazz. Playing, uh, jazz. It also has a quick scan feature to help them find things. Emilia, where did I put the phone? The phone is in your right hand. And it has an uh-huh feature for long rambling stories. So then I gave him five dollars, and he said I only gave him one dollar. Uh-huh. I said, I know I gave you a five. Uh-huh. Because I only had a five and a one only. Uh-huh. And this is the one dollar right here. Uh-huh. So, I mean, you tell me who's crazy. Amazon Echo Silver. Get yours today. I said get yours today. To order Amazon Echo Silver, send a check or money order to Amazon.com right now. I don't know about that. Need more cowbell? Better yet, how about the ring of truth? TNN, the Truth News Network, and Dan Newman. I gotta be honest with you. Uh, all my years in broadcasting and radio, and I, I don't think I've ever heard a commercial as funny as that one, the Amazon Echo. And I'm not an, I, I'm not a Alexa person. 
Um, but that, I don't care who you are. That's funny right there. <laughs> that comedian does a great job. I don't know about that. <laughs> you got to laugh, folks. If you don't, you're going to cry. Guess what the latest um, exposure in the big $1.75 trillion budget reconciliation package is? Well, yesterday, yeah, all these weeks we've been hearing about it and talking about it and what's in it and what it's going to do. They didn't unveil any text of it until yesterday. And that package they negotiated with the Biden folks includes a provision that's going to give green cards and eventually naturalized American citizenship to millions of illegal aliens who can claim they entered the U.S., more than a decade ago. Specifically, the amnesty would change the Immigration Reform and Control Act's registry date. Now think about this. This is kind of manipulating numbers. They're going to change the registry date so that illegal aliens could secure green cards so long as they can prove they arrived in the U.S. before January 1st of 2010. The amnesty would allow close to 7 million illegals and potentially even more to get green cards and then after five years begin applying for naturalized citizenship. Department of Homeland Security numbers from before 2010 estimated about 11 11 million illegal aliens were living in the U.S. at that time. So they just want to change the date on Title VI Subtitle A, Immigration Provisions. They want to change the date of that, which would automatically, they say, open the door for all those people to become legal. So this amnesty is a Democrat Party strike against Senate parliamentarian Elizabeth McDonough. They're in this constant battle over what can be put in a bill that survives um, survives the Senate rule that stops them from bringing different pieces of legislation to the floor of the Senate for debate, uh, debate, and that's called the filibuster. Particularly for the donor class, for investors in the big business lobby, this amnesty would flood the U.S. labor market with millions of newly legalized foreign workers while shifting wealth to the left coast and the right coast of the United States. California, New York, Massachusetts, Connecticut, those big states on both coasts. And by the way, most of those states are controlled almost totally by Democrats. Already current immigration levels put downward pressure on our wages across the nation while redistributing about half a billion dollars in wealth away from the working and middle class here toward employers and new arrivals. That's according to research by the National Academies of Science, Engineering, and Medicine. The CBO, that's the Congressional Budget Office, that's who scores what the real numbers are in every piece of legislation, despite what they, as the politicians tell us. The CBO has repeatedly found amnesty for illegals would be a net fiscal drain for American taxpayers while driving down U.S. wages. Now, what does all this mean? 
Folks, most of these jobs that these illegals would take if they're given the ability to come here and work legally, most of those jobs are blue-collar jobs, and most of them are in the areas of agriculture. You think about California. Gosh, folks, in the Central Valley of California, if you've never been to California, you know the state is very long and narrow. And if you get on the Interstate 99, which is toward the middle of the state, goes north to south, and you drive along Interstate 99 all the way, there are massive agriculture farms that grow pretty much everything. And that stuff, that food, and it could be in the form of cattle, but mostly it's vegetables and fruit and all kinds of good things for you that grow there in the Central Valley feeds a huge portion of the nation. That means those farms and those cattle ranches, they've got to be manned by workers. And these people that own these operations in many cases are simply major corporations. And they'll put together a string of farms that they own around different parts of the country, up and down the California Central Valley, and they're looking for ways to make more money. And there's only two ways to increase your bottom line. You increase your cost, excuse me, you increase your revenue by raising your prices, and you decrease the cost of operation, which means you pay those that work for you, those blue-collar workers, you pay them less. Well, most of those jobs are owned now by Americans, and many of those are, are legal immigrants that have made it into the United States, immigrated primarily from Mexico and Central America, brought their families here, plugged into this system, and are working legally. Guess who's going to be the first one that loses their job if this bill that Biden is pushing, if it goes through, all of those legal immigrants will find themselves on the beach looking for work in unemployment lines because of Biden's flood of illegals that are coming in and taking those jobs. That's happening right now today. And thankfully, folks, it was announced this morning. I think this is very good for the landscape of the American populace. Just 36% of Americans approve of the way Joe Biden's handling these negotiations on this $3.5 trillion reconciliation package. The poll that was released yesterday, late, found that 41% of those that responded say they approve of Biden's handling of the negotiations over the bill, while 23% say they don't have any opinion. Fewer than half say they know a lot of some of the proposals that are in it. Now, this number comes out as Biden got on Air Force One headed to Italy. And before he left, he went to the Capitol yesterday morning to beg for the passage of this package, and he was begging for people in his own party to vote for it. The far left and even moderates are at odds over certain welfare provisions in the bill, along with how to allow the IRS to saddle Americans with tax increases. And Biden begged for a big deal, but it's unlikely. 
Senator Bernie Sanders, author of the massive tax and spend legislation, told reporters yesterday it would be inconceivable that he would go along with the deal structured as it is right now. It's not big enough. There's not enough power for the Democrat Party. There's not enough money in the fake, unreal climate change legislation that's in it. And in the upcoming days, both in stories we publish here and what you'll hear at TNN Live, we're going to break down a lot of the exact elements that are in this bill. We would have done it previously, and we've talked about some of the elements, but we've done it based upon what we've heard and been told, not based upon what we know. But the bill in its text format came out yesterday, and it's it's huge. It's over 2,000 pages. And if you've ever looked at pending pieces of legislation, you understand that it's really difficult just to read and know what's in a bill because it's full. Every one of them are always purposely filled with references to other pieces of representation legislation that has been passed and is proposed, and they'll base something that's promised or committed in this section on what's promised and committed in two or three other sections of this bill and other laws that were passed in the past uh, were passed in the past. It's not just go look at it, see what's there, and draw an opinion. Sanders, he's the chairman of the budget committee in the U.S. Senate. God, that's a scary thought. Yesterday, he said he's not prepared to support that bill. He argued. House progressives should not send the bipartisan infrastructure bill to Biden's desk. In other words, it hadn't even been brought to the floor there for a vote. Nancy Pelosi, House Speaker, hasn't even allowed it to be voted on because she cut a deal with those AOC far-left progressives, they call themselves, and promised that the big banana, the one that was originally the $3.5 trillion budget resolution, that that bill, along with the infrastructure bill, would both come to the floor of the House of Representatives to be voted on at the same time. I never understood this philosophy, but it's always been that whoever the Speaker of the House is, they refuse to bring a bill to the floor to vote on it unless they already know that it's going to pass, or in some cases they know it's going to be defeated if that's what they're looking for. So Nancy Pelosi hasn't allowed either bill to come before the House to be voted on. Before there is a vote in the House on the infrastructure bill, the members of the House have a right to know that 50 U.S. senators are supporting a strong reconciliation bill. That's Bernie Sanders yesterday. Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema, Manchin of West Virginia, Sinema of Arizona, both of them were Democrats have made positive remarks about this new framework, but they've stopped short of full-throated endorsements of either of these pieces of legislation. The White House wants to see the bipartisan infrastructure bill passed. Speaker Pelosi says she's bringing the bill to the floor, daring the progressives to oppose it. But Sanders, who leads these progressives on both sides of the Capitol, said the framework has major gaps. Clearly, to my mind, he said, it has some major gaps in it. The American people are very, very clear. They're sick and tired of paying the highest prices in the world for prescription drugs. I agree with that. 
There is the best of my knowledge, no language there that takes on the pharmaceutical industry, and there's not. The bill doesn't include a measure to allow the government to negotiate prescription drug prices for Medicare and other programs with drug companies. So my question is, if why do we need legislation that would allow us to do that? A real leader, as Donald Trump did, he'd already cut a deal that reduced across the board major, major cost of prescription drugs to Americans at every level. Why do you have to pass a law or include that in a bill? Why don't you just go do it? Why didn't somebody in the Biden administration Take on the pharmaceutical companies. You know what the answer to that question is. Why? The pharmaceutical companies are the largest paying lobbyists in in Washington, D.C. And you add all their dollars they give to lawmakers and the lawmakers' causes, you add them all together. Nobody makes bigger campaign contributions than do these big pharmaceutical companies. And look what their payback is. Well, no, Dan, they're just making campaign contributions to help these lawmakers get elected because they know if we can't get elected, we can't do anybody any good. We got to get elected, which means we got to have a lot of money to campaign. (laughs) Quid pro quo, folks. Big pharma companies like uh, Moderna, Pfizer, Johnson & Johnson. They write big checks to lawmakers and their causes. What do they get in return? Every dose of any COVID-19 vaccine or booster that Moderna, Pfizer, and J&J produce, every one of them is sold to the federal government, and the federal government doles all those doses out, they say, for free. They're at least free to the Americans that get them. But somebody's got to pay the tab. Who's paying for it? Well, they'll tell us the federal government is. It's an emergency situation. we got to take care of our citizens. Well, where does the federal government get the money to pay for all of that? They get it through tax dollars. And that comes from us. So let's take a quick look at what's in and what's out of the Biden framework of this bill. I'm talking about the big one, the social spending, one and three quarter trillion dollar social spending and climate plan. What's in it? What's out? What's in it? An expansion of health care coverage. So the bill would reduce premiums for over 9 million Americans by an average of $600 per person every year. It expands coverage to the poor by offering four years of subsidized private health insurance And the Obamacare exchanges for people with lower incomes living in states that did not expand Medicaid under the health care law. It does so. How do they do it? By providing free premiums for 4 million people in the coverage gap, meaning they don't earn enough to qualify for the subsidies for Obamacare. But since they live in a non-expansion state, also make too much to qualify for Medicaid. The proposal would also expand Medicare coverage to include hearing benefits for seniors, hearing aids in other words. 
there's $150 billion for what they deem to be affordable housing. The framework includes 150 b for affordable housing. No details yet, but it's in there, $150 billion. The earned income tax credit, child tax credit, both of those are extended for one year. Democrats in the White House were hoping to make that child tax credit permanent, but instead the framework includes an extension through 2022. Now what that program provides is $300 per month per child under 6, $250 a month per child ages 6 to 17. The earned income tax credit targets roughly 17 million low-wage workers, providing up to $1,100 an aid. If you look at our story that was published yesterday, Thursday at Truth News Network, the title of the story, I'm not looking at it. I can't remember the exact words that I used, but basically it says you got to make a decision. Go back to work or stay at home and make babies and get paid for doing it. That's what this bill is offering to people. You don't have to work. Hey, go to the house. Have more babies. We're going to give you $300 a month, $3,600 a year per kid. If you can pop out four or five, just imagine how much money you can make without having to lift a finger. Historical black colleges and universities and Pell Grant funding. Framework in this bill increases the maximum Pell Grant by $550 for more than 5 million students that are enrolled in public and private colleges and expands access for certain undocumented immigrants known as DREAMers. It also includes new money, new funding for infrastructure and financial aid to low-income students in historically black colleges and universities, as well as tribal colleges and universities and minority-serving institutions. There's $100 billion in the bill for immigration. Now, why do we need more? I mean, they spend it. They have a blank check to spend it now. At least Biden acts like he does. So there's actual framework in the bill. It includes $100 billion to reduce immigration backlogs, to expand legal representation and improve the asylum and border processing system. But it would not overhaul the system or provide a path to citizenship for undocumented communities after a series of negative rulings by the Senate parliamentarian. It's not because they didn't want it, but they found out their hands were slapped and they were said, you can't do this in a reconciliation bill. Democrats still need to, and they are working hard to get the parliamentarian to sign off on immigration language. Senator Dick Durbin of Illinois, who's the Judiciary Committee chairman, said yesterday they were getting information from the CBO, the Congressional Budget Office, and hoped to pitch that to the Senate referee or the parliamentarian today. The framework includes $320 billion for clean energy tax credits to apply to transmission, to storage, to manufacturing, residential homes, passenger vehicles, and commercial vehicles. The framework overhaul includes half a trillion in climate provisions. Half a trillion, folks. That involves $105 billion for environmental resilience. Oh, my gosh. 
and that addresses the impacts of extreme weather events and provide for a civilian climate core and $130 billion for renewable energy development and procurement for the federal government to be the primary buyer of next-generation renewal technologies. And before we go any further, I don't want to leave this energy section here. Congressman Jim Jordan from Ohio, he's a fireball. And he is all over this climate change uh, faux pas that Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and her buddies uh, have put together, along with Bernie Sanders, and they've been doing this for years. He had two people in a hearing yesterday. One of them was an executive working on that pipeline, the XL pipeline. And uh, this guy was one of those six-figure guys, a really high-paying job. And he's one of hundreds that were terminated, lost their jobs on day one in the Biden administration when Biden canceled the XL pipeline permitting. Federal government has the rights to that, and he just arbitrarily did it on January 20th after he took the oath of office. Listen to this back and forth between these two gentlemen and Congressman Jordan yesterday regarding energy. Thank you, Madam Chair. Uh, Mr. Crabtree, when did, excuse me, when did you lose your job? Uh, Thank you, Congressman. Uh, About three hours after uh, the presidential inauguration this year. January 20th, 2021, you lost your job. That's right? Yes, sir. What what has happened? Do you, you know what's happened to the price of gasoline since that day? Uh, I think everybody knows the answer to that question, Congressman. It's uh, going nowhere but up, just like we tried to warn. It's increased dramatically, hasn't it? Over a dollar a gallon. Yes, sir. You know what's happened to the company that was overseeing the Russian Nord Stream 2 gas pipeline? Do you know what happened to them? Uh, I believe they were allowed to... To uh, finish construction, kind of that for a fact. Yeah, they were, the sanctions against them were waived. They were allowed to complete construction of that pipeline at the same time yours was closed down and you lost your job. You know what's happened <clears throat> to American energy independence since the day you were fired? Uh, well, the words OPEC seem to be coming back in the media more these days, and I didn't hear that for a lot of years, so uh, uh, we've lost it. Yeah, That's Mr. what's happened. Mr. Summers, are, are CO2 emissions in the United States lower today than they were 20 years ago? They are, Congressman. Significantly lower, is that right? They are significantly lower. In fact, uh, uh, CO2 emissions from the power sector in particular are at the lowest level since 1978. And that's because, you know, things like cap and trade passed and regulations from the government caused you to lower them. Isn't that true? Congressman, actually, that is because of the innovation that has occurred in the American oil and gas industry. Exactly. Cap and trade didn't pass. It's not because of regulations from government. You guys did that on your own because it's just the right thing to do and it's good business, right? That's right, Congressman. As I mentioned before, every energy source has to meet that energy trilemma. Affordable, reliable, and cleaner. And that's what this industry has delivered. Ten months ago, was the United States of America energy independent, Mr. Summers? What I would say, Congressman, is that the United States was North American in energy independent uh, and well on our way to American energy independence. We were exporting a lot, too, weren't we? We were. Uh, unfortunately, over the course of the last few months, we we're actually importing uh, ga- uh, oil into the United States uh, for the first time in a while. Yeah, that was my next question. So we, in 10 months' time, we went from being energy independent 
to now we're importing oil. And we had this spectacle of the president of the United States begging OPEC to increase production. Is that accurate? Well, Congressman, in, in, uh, the U.S. was a net petroleum exporter for the first time since 1958 in the year uh, 2020. Uh, and, you know, we were very proud of being the world's largest producer of oil and natural gas uh, as a consequence of, of the innovation and the technological revolution that has occurred in the American oil and gas industry. Yeah, this, this I mean... I can't say it better than our colleague from Florida who spoke a few minutes ago, but in 10 months' time, we have literally went from energy independence to the President of the United States begging OPEC to increase production to now we're having to import some of our energy needs. We've went from $2 gas to $3, 4 $5. I was in California a week and a half ago, $5 gas, I saw it there, to, which, which costs families hundreds of dollars a month in transportation costs. I mean, I think Mr. Crabtree, I think in his testimony, said he still hasn't found a job. So not only did he lose his job because of the crazy energy policies of this government, he's now paying all kinds of more. His family's paying more for their transportation costs and other energy needs. And what do Democrats do today? They come in and badger companies, tell them to further reduce, in some cases, production of oil and gas, which is only going to exacerbate the problem. I mean, it, it's, it's literally maybe the craziest thing I've ever heard. But that's where they're at. Um, I don't think the American people are with them, though. And that's the good news. So I want to I thank those companies who are actually increasing production. Uh, Mr. Summers, I want to thank you for your, your testimony today. Mr. Crabtree, you deserve better. And hopefully, hopefully with some changes that I think are coming, because I don't think the American people are going to tolerate this, hopefully you'll be, you'll be employed real soon. And uh, we'll get these energy prices back where the families of this great country deserve to have them. With that, I yield back. So the philosophy of the Biden administration, Bernie Sanders, AOC, the gang, and a bunch of other left-wing sycophants in Congress that think they know better, they think they know better and can substitute themselves and their thinking for God. For God. Now, what are you talking about, Dan? Folks, men don't control the climate. We don't control the weather. If we could, don't you think we'd be stopping some of these egregious things that happen like floods and wildfires and hurricanes and tornadoes? Wouldn't you think we'd be doing that if we could? And yet these people, these elitists believe that they have the ability. And of course, after that, they have the knowledge to shake their fist in the faces of God and Mother Nature and control them. And for them to be able to do that, we have to turn over trillions of dollars so that they can do what they say is necessary. And if we give it to them and just let them do their thing, they're going to take care of everything. Climate change is the existential enemy of the United States of America. Yet nothing they have promoted, nothing they have said, has done anything. Our government has not done anything on its own to lower the temperature in the country by even one-tenth of a degree to stop flooding anywhere, to stop hurricanes, to stop tornadoes, nothing. They're not talking about pollution, folks. 
that's something not only we can do, we've been doing it like no other country on the planet ever has. Like diminishing CO2, CO2 gases, carbon gases, which are caustic, they're very expensive, and they cause cancer. Every year since 1978, even though our population has grown, our industry development, our manufacturing, our plants, all of those have increased in numbers, the private sector, not the government, the private sector has reduced our CO2 emissions every year. And the government hasn't had to spend a dime doing that. They've never been successful at climate change enterprises. Private sector are the only ones that have increased our objective to stop polluting our atmosphere, the private sector. And yet the government in this bill wants to take all of that away from the private sector, give it to the government and trust them to take care of what they say is the number one existential threat to the nation, climate change. And we all know there's nothing anybody can do to change the climate. Forget about this stuff they cram down our throats all the time that science says it. Science says it. Yeah, the science has a name. Its name is Dr. Anthony Fauci. He's the expert about everything to do with health care. Look at what he's done. He's done nothing to help our health care. Nothing. In fact, the policies and the claims that he has made are factual and good for Americans have killed thousands of Americans and have destroyed millions of American jobs. And he believes it's been good and that he's been doing nothing but good, which proves he is not an expert and he doesn't know. Just like these climatologists, these so-called green energy experts don't have a clue either. We're not going to give them a blank check, folks. We're not. The truth. Straight. No chaser. TNN. The Truth News Network. What are you doing? Should we pick him up? He has Bud Light. He has an axe. But he has Bud Light. And an axe. I'm sure there's a reason for it. Hey, buddy. What's with the axe? It's a... Bottle opener. Hop in. Refreshingly smooth Bud Light. Always worth it. Look, here's Bud Light. In a chainsaw. Car's all yours. Thanks. Cars.com's expert reviews made it easy, but. Shouldn't there be more back and forth? You missed the drama, right? Yeah. Maybe this will do the trick. Oh, it's a puppy. Not a puppy, a wolf. What now? He's a wolf. And that is its incredibly protective mother. Get the right car without all the drama. Cars.com. All drive. No drama. 
No way. Taco Bell's toasted cheddar chalupa is back. Are you thinking what I'm thinking? They, they toasted six-month-old six cheddar, cheddar right onto the shell of a chalupa. That's genius, no delicious, no both. And now it comes in a box with a crunchy taco, cinnamon twist, and a medium drink? Whoa. Oh, sorry, this is, this is my stop. Oh, uh, cool. We're all thinking it. The $5 toasted cheddar chalupa box is back. Only at Taco Bell. At limited participating U.S. locations for a limited time only. Contact local store for prices, hours, and participation, which vary. Tax extra drinks excludes freezes. Truth. Justice. The TNN Way. This is TNN. The Truth News Network. And again, Dan Newman. Tell you what, let's, let's quickly go over a few of the other things that are in the budget reconciliation bill and things that were kicked out. We won't go into deep detail, but the framework says the spending and tax cuts in the package are going to be fully financed largely through tax increases focused on high-income households and corporations. It would include a 15% minimum tax for corporations, a 1% surcharge on stock buybacks, and international tax changes. International tax changes. that are in line with an agreement reached by more than 100 countries earlier this month. An international tax. Can you imagine the craziness in doing such? It would also include a surtax on the incomes of multimillionaires and billionaires and investments in IRS enforcement. What they're talking about is hiring about 70,000 new IRS agents that presumably would be investigating the likes of people like uh, you and me. Anybody that has $10,000 in a calendar year going through a checking account, which I think probably means more than 90% of the American adults. And then there's free preschool for three and four-year-olds and child care. $400 billion to give free preschool for all three and four-year-olds. The White House says that includes six million children, as well as funds for affordable child care. The funding provided is enough for six years. It would limit child care costs for families to no more than 7% of their income for families earning up to 250% of state median income. And to get the, the funding, parents got to be working, seeking work and training, or have a serious health issue. Now, wait till you see what happens. If, if this thing would get passed and this was in there, what do you think is going to happen to child care agencies all across the country? Don't go out of business left and right. Why? Because the government's going to force these child care agencies to cap what they're charging to no more than 7% of the income for families that earn up to 250% of state median income. Think about it. So what's not in the bill now? It does not allow Medicare to negotiate lower prescription drug prices leaving out a major Democratic priority. Donald Trump didn't need legislation to go do that. He called in the big CEOs of Big Pharma and negotiated reduced drug prices. Why didn't Joe Biden do that himself? Make it better than it already is. Build back better, right? In a blow to progressives, another one, the framework doesn't expand Medicare to cover dental or vision. 
Biden said last week that using the spending bill to expand Medicare to cover hearing, vision, and dental was a reach given the pushback that came from Senator Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema. But Democrats were working until day before yesterday to figure out a way to get a voucher for dental into the bill, which was meant to be a temporary fix until the party could get the long-term benefit off the ground. That billionaire tax, this is the one that I thought was the stupidest thing they could include. Well, they dropped it. It was pitched by Senate Finance Committee Chairman Ron Wyden of Oregon and Elizabeth Warren of Massachusetts that would have targeted unrealized capital gains. We explained it yesterday, but if you weren't here, what it means is you have an investment of sorts and you invest, obviously, so your investment grows in value. Maybe it's real estate, maybe it's stocks, maybe it's bonds. Whatever it is, you buy it and you hope that it rises in value so at some point you can sell it and make more money at the end of that. But in the meantime, you've you've tied up a sum of money, whatever it is, in that particular product. They want to, every year, to have the unfettered right to estimate the increase in the value of these things that you own during a calendar year. And at the end of that year, guess what? If it's increased in value, you're going to pay tax on that increase, even though you haven't sold it yet. Now, do I need to explain how stupid that is? It would never fly because that would force people to do fire sales at the end of the year to collect the money necessary to pay for whatever it was that they sold when it was purchased in the first place to make money at the end of it. Stupid. Paid family leave is out of it. It was intended to provide funding for parental and medical leave. It wasn't included, and that was another blow to progressives. The clean energy, uh, the clean electricity performance program is out. It would have provided money for electric utilities to transition away from fossil fuels. It was not included in the framework. Free community college. It was dropped. Democrats had hoped to provide two years of free community college. Biden saying in a CNN town hall last week that he faced opposition from Joe Manchin and, quote, one other person and he said it was one other person because he couldn't remember Kirsten Cinema's name. The uh, moderate Democrat senator from Virginia. There's a whole lot more, folks, and we'll get into it bits and pieces along the way. But it's over 2,000 pages. But we're going to do it. That's what we do here is find stuff for you and bring it to you so you know what's in it. Let's quickly go across the nation. And let's stop back in Virginia, where Terry McAuliffe finds himself on the downside of polling for the governor's job in his own state, where he previously served as governor for two terms. He was term limited out and had to leave, and he wants it back. Well, there's a lot of contentious thing going on in the state of Virginia, and one of the biggies is the teaching of critical race theory in public schools which most parents didn't even know was going on. Their kids were being taught this. And if you don't know what critical race theory is, I I won't go into a complete explanation of what it is, but basically I'll just sum it up by saying this. 
critical race theory is a, a process. It's a theory, but it is teaching our children that everybody that's white, well, wait a minute, let me correct that. Everybody that is not a person of color, everybody that is white is systemically racist. And they're teaching our children to adopt that as fact, not even questionable. Don't even think about it. Don't even try to reason and come up with why it would be so. It is so because we're telling you that. And these are educators and who are the most impactful people in our kids' lives outside of mom and dad? Teachers. And we've known that forever. Terry McAuliffe, he has said so many stupid things about critical race theory and laughing about people that oppose it. But then he came out the other day and said, that's not being taught in Virginia. He said that, and he was making fun of people, these parents that are going to these school board meetings for public schools in Virginia, and they're making stinks getting up and wanting to know why these school boards are greenlighting the teaching of critical race theory, which is basically using racism to destroy racism. That's what they're saying they can do. You can look at those people that you're accusing of being racism and use racist philosophies to negate what these people that are allegedly racist are doing. Well, the department's website, it provides resources for what they call equity initiatives. And those online in that website includes a tab that's titled What We Are Reading. The list, it's a list of the resources in these books that this office is recommending to public schools around the state. And (laughs) the recommended books that they're telling should be in public schools are books written by anti-racist advocate Ibram X. Kendi and Abolitionist Teaching Network co-founder Bettina Love. Lastly, teachers must embrace theories such as critical race theory, settler colonialism, black feminism, disability, critical race studies, and other critical theories that have the ability to interrogate anti-blackness. That was written by Bettina Love in a book, We Want to Do More Than Survive, Abolitionist Teaching and the Pursuit of Educational Freedom. That book's already in curriculum in every public school in Virginia. The book, that book, was sixth on the Virginia Department's list. It was also promoted in a March 2020 newsletter. While it it being on the list is an evidence that critical race theory is being taught in the state schools, the book provides guidance for teachers stating that teachers need to question whiteness and do away with phrases like work hard and be nice. McAuliffe has repeatedly said critical race theory is not taught in Virginia and has said his Republican opponent, Glenn Youngkin, uses contention surrounding the radical ideology to divide people. It's not taught here in Virginia, McCulloch said repeatedly through an interview and again during an October 10th CNN appearance. 
this is a made-up, this is a Trump, Betsy DeVos, Glenn Youngkin plan to divide people, McAuliffe said during an interview. He previously said claims that critical race theory was being taught in Virginia schools was a right-wing conspiracy. And yet, he just got busted once again because it is being taught in Virginia schools. I don't want to get into the weeds on this, but you remember that uh, that big thing that happened and we covered ad nauseum the first few days of this week, the hearings that uh, in which Attorney General Merrick Garland appeared before lawmakers and was being asked all kinds of questions, principally asking about the memo that he sent to the FBI instructing the FBI to get actively involved in investigating any types of domestic terrorism that happened in public situations around the nation. That came as a product, according to the Attorney General, of a letter that was sent to the White House requesting that the Biden administration activate the Department of Justice to go after these quote-unquote domestic terrorists, which they define as these people, these parents at these public school meetings of school boards are getting animated about what's happening in the teaching of their kids. Well, guess what happened? The Biden administration is very quietly given a prominent government role to the author of that same letter the same letter that the National School Board Association sent to the Biden administration calling on the Department of Justice to investigate protesting parents as domestic terrorists. Got a cush job. Hmm. Secretary of Education Miguel Cardona appointed National School Board Association President Viola Garcia to the National Assessment Governing Board just days after she released the letter to the White House. Emails from the organization showed it coordinated with the White House on the release of the letter, which resulted in the formation of that FBI, Department of Justice Task Force, that are going after. That's what they were appointed to do, to go after these parents that are going to these school board meetings and getting in the faces of public school officials over what they're teaching to their children. Her appointment to the board, which oversees the National Assessment of Educational Progress, is commonly referred to as the nation's report card, came just two days after the association's letter was sent to the DOJ. What do we call that in Truth News Network lingo? Quid pro quo. Quid pro quo. You give us some ammunition so that we can go after our political opponents through the Department of Justice, and we're going to give you a cush job and a great opportunity for your future just because you sent the letter. And so elsewhere, away from Virginia, in a Minnesota school board meeting, a video clip shows the chairwoman of that school board ordered parents that came to speak and express their opinions at these public school boards meetings that if you wanted to speak, you had to give your home addresses on camera before you were able to speak to the school board meeting. 
Her name is Jody Sapp. She's chairwoman of the Mankato School Board. There's a video out of the October 18th meetings telling a man he could not speak if he did not disclose his home address. The man immediately objected, but he eventually gave up and he went ahead and gave his address after he attempted to give some vague answers citing concerns that his home would be a target for vandalism. The video bleeped out his address and noted that Sapp, Jody Sapp, this chairwoman, repeated the address to make sure that everybody heard it. If any speaker violated the rule, then the open forum would be immediately closed for the rest of the meeting, and the offending individual would be barred from ever speaking at a future school board meeting. That's what she told them. Sapp, Jody Sapp, the chairwoman, also said that any audience reaction to forum commentary, including applause, cheering, would also result in the forum being closed. The Minnesota-based Alpha News reported that the change in the open forum policy came after the school board's October 4th meeting in which a number of people spoke out against district mask mandates and vaccination policies, and a number of audience members applauded those community speakers. However, the Mankato Area Public Schools Meet the Board website said it wanted to hear from residents and urged them to share their stories, to ask questions, to give insights, and offer ideas. Kind of like getting involved. Meanwhile, a surgeon with a health clinic located in Ferguson Falls, Minnesota, was fired after speaking at a school board meeting on parents' rights to decide health protocols for their kids, including whether or not to make them wear masks. And now Minnesotans and scores of others beyond the state are rallying for this doctor, Dr. Jeff Horak, and his freedom of speech totalitarianism totalitarianism I guess you heard about Facebook the big announcement yesterday by Mark Zuckerberg its founder I don't understand why but Zuckerberg has come out and taken his power and has decided to rename Facebook you know what the new name is I mean it makes perfect sense to me He's naming Facebook Meta, M-E-T-A. Wow, what a great thing to do. You know, who needs brand recognition to be successful in the free marketplace, right? Of course, Zuckerberg knows Facebook is going to be the number one messaging app in the world just because it was the first one. So it doesn't matter what we call it. Why would he change the name? Just my opinion. It's because they've gotten in so much trouble. They've been exposed for all, or probably not all, but most of the egregious things that they have allowed to happen on their platform. Besides the fact they're getting in deep doo-doo with the U.S. Congress, they are. So there's something else that's happening that we just got a peekaboo at that really bothers me a lot. While criticizing social media companies for invading user privacy, some university researchers and nonprofits are today, right now, they are pushing for access to the same data collected by Facebook and Twitter and Google, arguing that that information is crucial 
to understanding how to combat domestic extremism. Doesn't that sound really, really like a good thing to do? Good citizens at work. They want to protect us. They want to combat domestic extremism. And to do that, we need access to all of this data so we can find out who is out there and make sure that law enforcement know who the bad actors are so they can stop it. Yeah. Yeah. I believe that's what they wanted for, don't you? <laughs> Absolutely not. It's, it's, everything, it's, it's insane. It's crazy what this government is allowing to happen and what they want to continue to happen and to let them and those that they are obligated to to just keep on having open access to everything in our lives. Hey, listen, it's been a busy week here at TNN Live. Thank you for, for joining us. Thank you for being here every day. Bring somebody else with you. Tell them about it. Give them an idea. Point them, point them to Spotify podcast and uh, how to get Every podcast we do, every show goes up live at Spotify and also at Apple Podcast five minutes after a show is over. How do you get there, Spotify? Just in the search bar, put TNN Live. Do the same thing at Apple Podcast, and our whole site pops up and you can pick them. And if you've already got a subscription to either Spotify or Apple or both, you get that for no cost. We want you and we want them to continue to be part of this thing. You guys have a great weekend. Don't forget, bullet points tomorrow morning, first thing at TNN. I found a diary underneath the tree And started reading about me The words she'd written took me by surprise You'd never read them in her eyes said that she had found the love she'd waited for Wouldn't you know it She wouldn't show it Then she confronted with the writing there Simply pretended not to I passed it off as just in keeping with A total disconcerting And though she tried to hide The love that she denied Wouldn't you know it She wouldn't show
Her meaning now is clear to see The love she'd waited for Was someone else, not me Wouldn't you know it She wouldn't show I will